Welcome to Barrel Podcast, brought to you this week by We Are Feel Good Inc. Sunscreen and also Beer Farm. Thanks so much to those guys for supporting the show. It really is an honour to have you on board. Well, when we first started the podcast, we, we kind of had an idea about chatting with local legends, local personalities in the southwest. And one of the people that we had on our radar fairly early on was Mark Hillsey Hills. He's a bit of a down south personality, a bit of a legend, like I said, and um, it seems like everyone knows Hilsey. Everyone's got a story about Hilsey, and it turns out that he's also got some stories to tell himself. He's a, a natural-born storyteller, in fact, and um, it was great to sit down with him today to hear about his history from his start, starting artist surfing, Sorrento, in Perth, moving on to um, living down south in the southwest, going back to Perth to study at Teachers College and then finding his feet with Murray Smith in the city and then eventually opening up his own surf shop, which everyone knows, Hillsy's Down South Surf Stores. It was a great conversation that I had with Hillsy and I uh, hope you enjoy it. So without any further ado, here he is, Mark Hillsy Hills. Right, we are here in Yahoo, Yahoo Surf Shop in Dunsborough, and we've got Mark Hillsy Hills with us today to have a bit of a chat on Barrel to Surf Podcast. G'day, Mark. Morning. How are you, Naomi? It's uh, Hillsy. I should really say Hillsy. You should know. I don't think anyone knows you as Mark around here, but no, not really, mate. Just my mum. <laughs> Just your <laughs> mum. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. It's good to see you. Yep, pleasure. So we're we're amongst the splendid surrounds here of uh, Yahoo Surf Shop. It's uh. One of the originals in town. Uh, he was one of the original shapers in Dunsford, wasn't he, um, yeah, Mark? Yeah, Oggy, yeah, absolutely. Oggy. been since here, 1990. 1990. What about yourself, mate? How long have you been in the southwest? Um, folks moved down here in 1980. 1980. Um, Dad was a pioneer surfer, so we always had a little holiday shack at Yells that we used to rent. and um, uh, So that decided to make a, a sea change, yeah, when I was 15. Um, okay. Yeah, so it was... Um, been a good life. So you, uh, before you moved down here, whereabouts were you? We're at, um, well, actually the folks went farming first off there at uh, New Norcia way till I was about five or six. I was, I was born in Cottesloe, Devonlea Hospital, which okay. doesn't exist anymore. Right. And then um, we lived out in the northern suburbs, as far as you could you could get out of Callaroo, Mullaloo. Callaroo, okay. Yeah, yeah I know I know Mullaloo from when I was a young bloke. Yeah. Some friends out there. Did you ever get to surf the point at Mullaloo? I think there was a little wave there. Didn't really surf the point. We were more, uh, you know, sort of surfing the bay at Watermans and, and, uh, okay. and going to Triggs. Gravis? Uh, oh, Gravis, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so we used to freeze to death out there. But, uh, um, yeah, no, we, and then the, the folks moved a bit further north to Watermans, so, yeah, definitely a bay boy for a while. Okay. Um, so what, what school did you go to? Went to Springfield Primary in, for pretty much most of primary school. That's Reno, yeah? Uh, Springfield's actually Calaroo. It was okay. First, yeah, it was uh, built there, which is classics, kind of, yeah. That's where Bart Simpson went to school, didn't he? <laughs> Springfield. Um, and then Elementary. Uh, the folks sent us to Sacred Heart, which I didn't really gel that well with uh, uh, five periods of religion a week. And Oy. So I got asked to leave, and then I went to Crean High for a year, and then uh, then ended up at Bustledon Senior High School in year 10. Okay, so you went to Crane for a bit? Yep. Yeah, well, I was um I was due to go to Crane actually, myself, mm. and... Uh, 
my parents got a job on the Friday before school started, before high school started, so we moved. Not a bad call because it was 500 kids in my year and it was a punch up every day, so I didn't mind leaving Cree. Mate, I went to Rockingham, so it was. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, you jumped straight into the fire. <laughs> I, uh, I lived on an island though, so it was okay. It was good. Pretty, pretty good fun. It was surf at the back of it and um, all good. So you went to Sacred Heart, didn't love it, off to Kareen, and um, your parents went, all right, let's move down south. Yeah, dad was in the automatic transmission business. He had a few shops uh, around in, in Perth. So he would, uh, we lived down south. Mum would run the household and, uh, and dad would commute. Uh, he'd do his 50 odd hours Monday to Friday and, and then uh, be down every weekend. Oh, so in Perth? Yeah, in Perth, yeah. Okay, so a few people do that these days still. Yeah, well, it was kind of, it was a bit unusual then. You know, people thought mum and dad were uh, opting out and hippies or whatever. And, um, you know, it just worked out to be a pretty charmed life for, for us as kids. Because uh, there was, uh, you know, there's four kids. There was myself and, and three sisters, I, me being the oldest. So I guess I filled in that role of spider killer and snake uh, shewer <laughs> and um, protector of, of the dark the when, uh, yeah, when, when dad wasn't there. Okay, so he came back on the weekend, did he? Did he rule the roost when he came home, or was he pretty sort of good about it? Uh, that, yeah, no, we, that's when normally when you got punished because all the stuff you'd done <laughs> midweek, you know, that uh, mum had been able home. No, for uh, dad did sort of thing, but no, he was a, he was a good dad. You know, the, the old boy loved his surf, so he was always in the water and uh, taking uh, taking us all all surfing. Yeah, okay, awesome. So just to remind you guys, we're back. We're in the studio here. Well, not the studio. We're in Yahoo with uh, Mark Hillsy Hills. So your dad was a bit of a pioneer surfer, you say. Yeah, he he and um, he and my uncle Rob Rob Birch, uh, you know, just, uh, not uh, a paternal uncle as such, but my my godfather and, sure. and uh, the Accordingly brothers and another guy called Hank the Yank were the earliest guys to surf Margaret River, and um, they used to come down here quite a bit. And Dad, uh, having lived on a farm when he was younger, uh, could drive, so they would okay. get him illegally driving while they drank a five gallon keg on the way down. <laughs> um, and he loved his big surf, so okay. he, he was uh, he was surfing down here in the early '60s and yelling up was the place they'd go. Yeah, yeah. So how did he originally get into surfing? Do you know? Um, he was at John Curtin. He'd come off a farm at the age of fourteen and uh, couldn't swim, right. uh, and it was highly embarrassing for him. So he soon caught up the, uh, very quickly, and by the age of sixteen, he was uh, he was in the state team for uh, for surfing. And, right. Um, and met the Cordingley brothers, who were mostly boat builders. Dad started making his own boards, um, and actually gave him all of his templates uh, when he started his apprenticeship, um, which is a, he's a fitter and turner by trade. But uh, yeah, he, he uh, used to make his own boards because the, the boards at the time were nine six ten six, and he's a little short fella, five seven five eight. So he he'd make boards for him and his mate Terry James that were uh, three quarters uh, the size. That's a carton there. My phone just went off. <laughs> no, <Nah>, all good. <laughs> okay, so um, so he started in there, and and what about yourself? When did you sort of when did it, I guess he was just getting you into it from an early age? Yeah, well, look, we you know we had remember the GT foamy out at Tricks, you know. Yep. Um, Rashing the crap out of your stomach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, you know, and look, and you you know you'd still keep catching every wave, but um, so yeah, we had a lot of fun there, and then then of course you know we'd spend every summer, pretty much every holidays down at Yelling Up. So, okay. Um, and there was probably a band of 26 families that that holidayed all together. Sure. Um, so you always had someone to go surfing with or someone to play with or someone to have an adventure. And certainly it revolved around the water. You know, it was it was good times. It was it was lucky times. It was, 
you know, uh, Yangup gets very, very busy now, and, and then it was, uh, you know, a little bit more tranquil. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when do you reckon people started getting onto the whole Yangup thing and just starting to sort of crowd it out a bit? Well, I mean, look, there's no doubt people always come down south in summers, and, you know, Easter was always busy, but it was probably, you know, there was a change, and this is when I, uh, I bought my first surf shop um, and went into business or borrowed borrowed money i should say and bought a surf shop um it was 1988 and the wealth started to move into uh into yelling up you know rather than going to uh uh he- or heading to rotnest or something like that we, yep. we found that the money started to come in and that the change in yelling up between sort of 88 to 92 was quite massive and caves house changed surfside became a licensed restaurant uh, there was uh, a fair bit of development and a fair bit of uh I guess uh, movement in the prices on the hill too. Yeah, sure, sure. I um, my my dad's still got a house in Gracetown that we got mm. in the seventies. So w- while you're, you're at Yelling Up, we we're probably mm. down in Gracetown, and um, yeah, I do I do remember that sort of time, and it just everything sort of changed a bit. You could sort of get a place in Gracetown for I don't know thirty thousand even coming mm. into the late eighties, and then it all went a bit Pete Pete time. <laughs> the property prices went up. Yeah, well, they, they Gracetown. I think it was Barry Blakey who was a the Shire president at the time made it that uh, with the land that you bought, that you had to build it within a year because yep. they wanted a town. Yeah, sure. And of course, that's why there were so many fibro shacks originally. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, he, he still, the old boy still got the um, original mm, asbestos place there. Well done. <laughs> it's got a nice little view over a couple of surf boats, which we won't mention, yep. um, even though they're already blown out. Mm. So coming down here, you moved down here in, in what you say when you were no, in year 1980. 10? Okay. And mm. off to Buston High School? Yep, off to Bustleton, which was pretty country at the time. Um, you know, there was at Dunsborough Primary School where my sisters went, there was only 80 kids at the school and there was about 220 at uh, Bustleton Senior High, which went all the way through to Year 12. But, you know, it was really country. It was kind of like some sort of 50s scene, you know. It was uh, stretched <laughs> grey cord jeans, black Akadaka shirt, a Farmer <laughs> Jane shirt on and, 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 a, and a comb in your back pocket and, you know, and... A lot of blokes still use Brill Cream. Watching so, Grease Lightning on it. Yeah. I was the only surfer in my year. And Is that I, right? And uh, I didn't go to the toilet for the the first year at school because that's where you knew you were going to get belted. So uh, being a surfer wasn't necessarily a popular thing with the blokes. Yeah, funnily enough, well, I had the same thing at Rockingham. <laughs> yeah, but it worked well for the girls. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. So a bit of bit of, uh, bit of love interest straight up at Bustle in high school. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was actually yeah, you know, my first probably full-time girlfriend there at, uh, at Bustleton and... Um, uh yeah good times good times yeah nice oh that's that's good mate yeah. um so you moved down and you into surfing all the time just whenever whenever you could get a chance you're out there yeah well look we'd get off the school bus and the bus at that stage used to drop you off at yelling up hall and you could see from the top of cave's house whether it was offshore or onshore yeah and uh my you know my best mate dane uh dane richardson whose folks owned the caravan park you know we would bolt straight down the track after school and and get in the water no matter whether it was onshore, you know, with, with whatever conditions there were. Um, and if we weren't surfing it, we were body surfing it yep. in the bay. And and same with uh, my sisters and, and same with Dane's brother, Scotty, who was a very, very good surfer at the time too. And um, there was only a few kids at Yelling Up. There sure. was only probably about a dozen of us, but uh, we're all in the water. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Um, how big were you sort of getting it, taking it on at that point? Well, we are pretty lucky. We had a mentor with Tom Hoy. Um, and he owned a uh, surf shop on the beach front called the Barley High, which I, actually I ended up buying. 
not off Tom, but uh, the guy that bought it after him, Drew Brentwhite. And, we, and Tom was very good where he would really give us uh, the inspiration to go and surf bigger surf. He'd filled us full of stories. He was a Californian that moved to Australia. And, um, and so he had all these big wave boards up in his uh, attic and he would tell us to take it out and we were the next generation and, you know, we had to go and surf as big a waves as we could. So we'd go and surf the biggest, fattest lefts <laughs> that we could at yelling up and try not to drown. Uh, all... Because, you know, Tom inspired us all. Okay. So he was California. Where, where in California was he from, do you know? Well, I'm not really sure. You know, like Tom, uh, we just loved his stories because Tom had surfed everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and he was a shaper and he had a surf shop and he gave us stickers. So there wasn't <laughs> anything cooler. Everyone loves a sticker when they're oh, a grom. yeah. No, we, we used to love it. You know, it was, it was unreal. It was a great, great place to hang. And, you know, it was kind of like uh, pretty, a pretty hippie surf shop, I guess I would have considered it then. Sure. You know? Beads on the door and incense always burning, probably to cover up some other smells. But it's, um, it, yeah, it, yeah, they sold silver and the rest of it. I remember actually when I bought it, I'd actually pull all the beads down and got rid of the bloody incense. And you know, 10 years later, it all came back and I was selling it again. In the shop, so. <laughs> back into the hippie times. Yeah. Um, did you venture anywhere else apart from Yelling Up? Obviously, we're not going to talk about names, but did you get, get south or, or yeah, north look, at that point? We used to surf the whole coast. Yep. Uh, you know, it wasn't such. Um, a satellite sort of situation. So, yeah, we'd, all, we'd go down to Margaret River a lot. Um, and, you know, we used to get uh, main break on a bit, um, which was a bit big for me when I was younger. But we'd surf it, you know, once I was in, um, in my late teens. And I guess as we, uh, as we got older, you know, like um, it probably tends to stay a little bit more local. But you know, we had a lot of good surf around us too uh, growing up. So, you know, there's mm. lots of surf. But, uh, no, we were never afraid to go south. And um, it was always good for a party, you know, too, because you'd – you met different girls. Yeah, okay. So tell me about the sort of social scene at, at that point. A lot of it was, I guess, you know, it circulate around the pub. Uh, so, you know, Cave's House was really Sunday sessions. Uh, the Dunsborough Pub uh, would have been a Saturday night. There'd be a band on. Uh, but then a, a lot of it t- stuff was too was the hall. So, okay. you know, yelling up hall and uh, quorum up hall or, or Margie's. There'd be a band on, and you you know you'd drive there to you know go and catch a band because you you knew you were going to catch up with a lot of people. And of course, the town was pretty, all the towns were pretty small, and so it was always good to go out for a bit of a hoot. And of course, the drink driving laws weren't that well enforced, so we'd all push the, the envelope a bit. Not that I'm saying that's a good thing. <laughs> we, we used to do that. I think it was pretty common, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty common. Yeah, I know that my dad used to. On the way down on a Friday night, he'd stop at the railway in Frio because we lived in, we lived in Marmion at that point, I think it was, and um, he'd always stop at the railway in Frio on the way down. That was before, obviously, the freeways and so forth. And then he'd stop again at um, one of those maybe mile up or something and get yeah, a yeah. couple of King Browns for the trip down. Well, there was that. Yeah, I think it was the Mandra pubs too. Uh, it could open longer, longer hours on Sunday sessions. So. Yeah. So yeah, you'd on the way back. On the way on the back, way there, yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd drop in for a beer. We'd always stop in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, might have been like Cobblers Tavern or one of those ones. Yeah, it was a Cobblers. That's it. You bang on the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'd we'd get home about ten o'clock on a Sunday after being down south all weekend, yeah. having a great time. So um, yeah, the halls and all that sort of thing. Lot, lots of sort of social scene. Like you say, a bit of a small small sort of um, population. But I guess everyone knew each other and used to have a great time with each other. Yeah, well, that was it. You know, like any social occasion was a great, good occasion. So, you know, you live in a, um, country towns and, you know, uh, and I guess everybody does know each other. So it's a good time to catch up or, or again, to meet new people and, uh, and have some fun. And, you know, we'd, 
Um, and you sort of, you know, I guess, you know, we had a, a probably a little bit of an issue with some of the crew that we, you know, for, say from Bustleton, you had the bus, so if you went in the bus and you had to watch it as a surfer and, and if you had the bus on and crew come down our way, then we'd have to watch out for them too. Um, <laughs> so it was, um, and we used to get, a, you know, used to get the bikers coming down. They were normally reasonably cool, but I remember old boy and, uh, and Tony Harbison and a bunch of crew having to uh, run a heap of uh, bikers out of town that turned up in Australia Day and were trying to break into Surfside. And, um, they run you know, the bikers out of town? Uh, yeah, well, nice they ran work. them out. Uh, look, you know, they, they came from an era where they didn't mind a bit of a punch-up either themselves. And, yep. of course, if you're infringing on their era and... and uh, uh, trying to break into our shop, I guess, you know, Surfside, our local shop, or uh, harass uh, the local women, um, you were going to get sorted out by these fellas. And so, yeah, you know, I guess particularly Tony Harvison was a bit of an enforcer and, and George Simpson too uh, would uh, make sure that, uh, well, the shit got cleaned out. Yeah, okay. So, it's mm. interesting because you probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't risk it those days with the bikies because there's all sorts of different sort of motivations and... I guess yeah. elements amongst the bikies. I don't know if there's an issue with you know. So I guess obviously you know there's the legal bikie gangs etc. But that it was that just used to happen at around Australia. Day. They used to they used to come down in, in in their drives, and I guess there wasn't a police presence. We had no police station. At yeah, sure. And uh, it wasn't like a twenty four hour police station in Bustleton. It was probably lucky to be three to four policemen that would be working out of Bustleton. So I guess like a lot of country towns, you would no matter what threat you had, uh, whether it be a biker or something like that, that, that the local people would take it in their own hands to sort it out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Mm. I remember um, working out the old, do you remember the Coconut Club back in the yeah. late 90s or whatever? I was yeah. working there. And the Honky Nut Bar, as I used to call honky it. Honky Nut. Yeah. <laughs> we had some, some bikies came in there one time. There was no security or anything, and they just, just went ran right around the place and dusted up a couple of poor people and um, yeah, made a bit of a... Bit of a mess around the place. Yep. Um, so you're at Bustleton for the rest of your high school? Yeah, yeah I did uh, Bustleton to year 12. I, I okay. Was, and it was a pretty pretty lucky situation. We had a really good quality teachers, you know, and if you wanted to live and teach somewhere, uh, what good. better place to be yeah. at Bustleton uh, or in the Margaret River region? So I, I did that and then I um, uh, uh, I went up to Perth you know, uh, after that, to, to to go to teachers' college. Okay, teachers' college at Churchlands. Yeah, did Churchlands. Okay. Yeah, primary school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did a uh, a year and a half, uh, and um, actually, no, it must have been a couple of years because I was before my final ATP. I, I left, which is kind of like the last thing you do before you you get signed up as a school teacher. And I had a I had a pretty burnt out headmaster, and I was, you know, he just disillusioned me a bit. And then I was studying phys ed and I was studying I was doing Aboriginal studies so I knew where I was going to get be sent and that wasn't going to be any surf there sure so I went you know teaching kids is is really cool but the system really sucks so instead I went and I was I was working part-time with Murray Smith at Murray Smith surfboard so okay I, I decided to leave and work in the surf industry where you take money off children instead of, <laughs> instead of teaching them instead of helping them out yeah so Murray Smith where, where was he set up at that point he's in uh, Churchlands okay um Murray used to look after me uh, with, with boards. Um, I don't think so much that I was the greatest talented surfer, but I could. I used to tell everyone about his surfboards and bring every, you know, bring a lot of people in. And so I started working there. 
pouring resin in the resin cans, catalyst into catalyst bottles, and um, and sweeping out the bay and and, and helping him uh, with customers on the Saturday. Okay, so I was pretty lucky. So you're doing a little bit of shaping and stuff at that point? No, no, I I could do a pretty average ding repair. and I used to do, I, uh, when I ended up managing a shop for Murray, I used to come in early mornings and do repairs. But no, you'd be pretty glad I don't shape boards. <laughs> uh, I, I can sell boards. I can talk about them all day. But, um, you know, my shaping skills were like a chainsaw and a butter knife. <laughs> it's interesting that you say about the um, the whole, you know, not necessarily the best surfer in, in, the, in the area, but you have that ability to sort of promote the products, which is... I guess a lot of people, that, a lot of people that are sponsors sponsored these days, don't really take that into account. No, I think that's probably the problem with you know sponsored surfers because you know, of course you you want to get your name out there and your product out there, but you need you need to see a return of dollars to, for that investment. And and look, you know, I probably didn't think of it that way when I was a grommet. I was just so so excited. I was just frothing. Yeah. The fact that you know one of my dad's mates uh, made my surfboards and I worked at a surfboard factory and. You know, the surf scene was so freaking cool. Living the dream. Um, and so I couldn't help but be excited. Now, I was a kid in the lolly shop. Um, yeah, I still am. Uh, you know, <laughs> I still am. I still sell toys, you know. Well, you, I just look around Look around us right now and there's, there's this is Yahoo surf, Surfboard Shop and there's soft tops, there's mouths, there's performance boards, there's hardware all over the place. It really is like a lolly store for, yeah, for surfers, it's pretty good. It? It's kind of like that place you want to be locked in and, you know, when the shop shuts and, and you, you get to pull out whatever you want to play with sort of thing. Deck grip and leg ropes and fins mm. and all sorts of stuff. It's real, yeah, mm. best place I've ever done an interview. We're, <laughs> we're with Mark Hillsy Hills, by the way. Um, so you finished up at Teachers College and started working with Murray. Uh, what what sort of boards were they, Were you sort of looking at at that point? The sort of thrusters or was we're it? We're doing that crossover because uh, by that stage it was 1984. Um 85, 84, 85. Uh, I was working with Murray while I was at Teachers College, so that's 84. And then 85 later, then I did a shop with him. So we were, we were doing that changeover from single fins and twins. Sure. Uh, to early thrusters, which um, generally had a centre box too, so you could adjust the fin. And so, because I can remember that's what was one of my jobs was putting fins into fin boxes and making sure I didn't put a screwdriver through someone's brand new board. <laughs> which I successfully did one time. <laughs> Luckily, he was cool about it. But um, so, yeah, it was, uh, there was a bit, there was, it, it was a nice time period because we had some, we had some really cool people working there, you know. Um, yeah, Murray, obviously, coolest man ever and and, um, and so good with kids, you know, like we'd have a pack shop and he'd be sitting on the floor writing up the grommets uh, order, order form. It didn't matter how much money you had or whatever, the kids came first and, um, you know, we had a guy called Phil Usher who was, uh, you know, great shaper working with us and, and a funny, absolutely funny bugger. And guys like Bruce Smith, another great shaper in there. Matty Manners started his shaping. Dave McCauley started his shaping there. And I, you know, I yeah, had the pleasure of these guys being mates and, and, uh, and great, you know, all good surfers too. Um, and, and making great stuff. So yeah, good time period. Yeah. Awesome. I'm uh, hoping to have Dave Mack on the show. Uh, in the next month or two before he, well, I guess he'll be back over in Hawaii shortly, but hopefully he's got time to come on the show. Um, so at that point, you're working in Murray Smith. What what was sort of happened next after after that for you? Well, with Muzz, um, I went from, oh, what did I do? 
uh, I went back down south. Uh, actually, yeah. I, well, actually, I got tired of the sailboard game came along. So I was in between Murray's. I went and worked for Court Marine. Um, and we set up this uh, surf shop with Aidan Nicholson, Southside Sailboards. Sailboards, okay. Um, and because the sailboards were joined at the hip with surfing and, and I couldn't sail, uh, but I could sell. Um, so I was selling sailboards and that job finished. Uh, I think I got sacked. I think it's the first person ever sacked me because <laughs> um, uh, I had a cold and I didn't stay open long enough. On, you know, it was a Thursday late night trading or something like oh, you that. You've got to get sacked at least once in your life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually held it against him for a while uh, and made him pay for that. But that's right. We get on really well now. <laughs> but um, he, um, yeah, so I went around a shop for Murray in Flora Terrace, uh, which is opposite the old Castle Hotel. Oh, so North Beach. Yep. Okay. Uh, which was co- pretty cool. Uh, because I had the pub there. But my main position was Odyssey. Odyssey surfboards are on the beachfront at Meadows. Is that Tom Blacksall? Uh, no, Odyssey. I'm not sure who had Odyssey then, by then, because it had gone past Phil Usher and Nev Hyman and Bruce Smith. So I just can't remember who owned it then. But I, I just remember this, that, that, that they would give a free foily if you bought a surfboard. <laughs> and, of course, I couldn't compete with that, so I'd buy you a jug of beer because I had the pub <laughs> across the road. And um, and it was a cool little shop that we had, you know, and, and you know, Flora Terrace was a... I mean, if anyone's been to the Castle Hotel, it doesn't exist anymore. It was a lot of fun. It was actually where bikies and surfers uh, coexisted. Yeah, yeah. I've spent many a night at the castle with, mm-hmm. with, uh, with the old boy. He used to play squash across the road and then yep. head over to the castle for a couple of, uh, couple of cold ones and a, and a counter meal. Um, so how long, how long were you in North Beach for? I think it was about a year, year and a half. This is pre-Murray selling and, and Tom Blacksall selling out to Surfrider. Right. And, and I came down south and I worked for uh, Neil Strong, um, who had um, Southside Sailboards, which was the first surf shop set up in Dunsborough. Okay. Um, with, uh, originally with, um, uh, with his best mate, Dave Sheen. And then um, it became Country Waves after that. And Neil had a little shop at Margaret River. Uh, that I would work for there down there. I think I was getting paid five bucks an hour, which was called Country Waves, right next to Country Kitchen. Okay. Um, and that was, yeah, Strongy's like you know, one of my older and older oldest mates. I've done a lot of surf trips together with a lot of other mates and really good fella and just a great time period. Um, although I used to fall asleep in the secondhand board rack a few times after <laughs> yeah, big weekend. Big night at Settlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, could have been any one of them, actually. Uh, and then uh, from there, yeah, I, look, I wasn't earning enough money, so I went to Perth again. And um, I did a short stint at uh, Garden City with San Tosha. And then um, I, a mate of mine, Locke Simpson, was working for him. And he got the backing from the merchant banker to set up a shop. And we set up a surf shop next to another surf shop uh, called uh, The Power Station. And that was, uh, that was a bucket load of fun. We, we had no major labels. So this is in Perth? This is in Perth. Yep. Canning Highway. Okay. Um, and again, you know, selling sailboards, surf, skate. Uh, and yeah, just some seriously good times. Really, really good times that south of the river run. Um, and then after, I think, 10 minutes after that, uh, I got... It must have been about a year I worked there. Uh, mate of mine, Ray Blake and I, we did a trip over east and we fell in love with the east coast. We did this trip from Gosford up to Surfers Paradise and back. 
and went, right, we've got to move over here. This place is unreal. You the know, coast is great, isn't it? Oh, we got two cyclone swells. We just had it on. You know, we Terrigal Haven, you know, um, Angari, uh, you know, we had Spookies. We had, uh, you know, we had a run all the way up. And actually, the swell actually dropped out once we actually got the surface. So we just partied and <laughs> came back down and surf, you know, quite big Lennox. And so we just went, yeah, back, back, we're, we're going to leave. And Ray got a job and I got a job. And then the uh, the weekend before uh, we Ray had already left, and and the weekend before I was leaving, I got offered to buy the barley hype from uh, from Drew Brentwhite. Okay, so you're you're over east and you got the call. Well, we we'd gone over east and come back. Okay, um, and I'd been offered a job in Newcastle with uh, Roy at Pacific Dreams, and then I was also offered a job. Uh, um, repping from Marimbula up to Coffs Harbour for. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. He was a windsurfer fella, but um, and I was already to go. So at this that. stage, you're fully ensconced in the surf industry. You, that that's your that's your job, your career. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I, look, it was un, it was unreal. Basically, because you know, like it worked around our lifestyles in the regard. It was always busy in summer and in the season. So you'd smash out as much money as you could, and then you'd you'd go and disappear up north or into to Indonesia, and then you'd come back and pick up a tax return and go and do it again, like a crayfish man. Yeah, kind of, yeah, and it was well, it was it was super fun because we'd either do do Nalu first and then Indo, or do Indo first and then Nalu. Or actually, early days it was bluff; we didn't even know about Nalu. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, this East Coast trip just opened our eyes up to right-handers, you know, because I'm a natural footer, and so it's Ray, and we're just going far out. You know, this is just unreal. This is this is heaven. But, you know, Ray's lived there for thirty years now. And, Says it's probably not as been as good ever good as as that trip, but because we had these classic cyclone swells. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we didn't realise it didn't break like that all, all the time. <laughs> it's paradise. Uh, it's happening all, all the time, every yeah. day. But you know, as it is, I, you know, I borrowed sixty thousand dollars and went and bought um, the barley high. I borrowed at seventeen percent about nineteen ninety nineteen eighty eight. That was, and then about nineteen ninety nine. I think interest rates went to about twenty seven. Oh, is this the big interest rate hike? Yeah, this is the recession we had to have. 83, was it? Something like that? Thanks, Paul Keating. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, no, it was about, it was 88 uh, that I went into business and 99 was that peak of that interest rates. And so that, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, a quick business learning curve. So interest rates, 27%. How long had you been in the shop at that point? I've been there two years. Two years. Mm. Okay. And you went, oh, geez, I can't do this. Yeah, we look. Um, we got we got caught out a bit. Look, I came out not owning and not owing, and we had the shop under. We traded as Yelling Up Beach Surf Shop, and but we owned the Hillsies name. So, and my mum and dad had been guarantors with this loan. So uh, in '92, um, I'd met uh, previous. I'd met yeah the, uh, my first wife, um, and so '92 was sold, and I. had left uh left yelling up with my first wife to the channel islands in jersey okay and ended up um uh selling west suits to the french and to the channel islands because jersey's just off the uh the french coast yeah okay um and uh my wife at the time spoke fluent french um she had a few contacts in the surf industry uh but really i made my money out of being a glorified delivery driver <laughs> for an excise pat there so i was selling um anything from uh Passiona to um, Passiona uh, uh, to uh, to um, oh god, what we, we're selling organic wine, we're selling cool drinks, all sorts of stuff. So not just wetsuits, everything, everything you could get your hands on. 
Well, anything that would get a hands wetsuits weren't making me money, um, but you know, I was. Uh, it just kept me in my, my finger in the pie with, and particularly, uh, you know, West were really good to me. Patrick Lay was very good that that we could make this happen. That we so you say West West suits, yeah? Yes. Okay, yeah. So obviously, um, there's that Rockingham connection with um yeah. with those guys as well. So we we're all all used to wear the West suits in the uh yep. in the you know the Bomboa board riders in Safety Classic, Bay, yeah. yeah, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so just trying to think what happened to West. So it's it sort of folded or something, didn't it? Yeah, well, it, it had an American partner come in and they, they basically tore apart the company. Yeah, okay. Uh, and um, it was pretty tragic because uh, the guys that originally set it up, um, you know, were very, very good fellows mm. and, and, and good friends. And uh, uh, particularly Patrick, you know, he, um, um, Patrick Lay, you know, used, well, he was the president of the Mandra Board Riders. Okay. When I was a kid, and we had the Surfside board riders, which was yelling at board riders sure. as such, but Surfside, the local shop, sponsors. So we used to compete against them and Bunbury, and Pat was the president. And I met Patrick when I was about uh, 14. Right. And he was kind enough to give me some words of wisdom in my first final of a surf comp. I came fourth. Um, but, <laughs> out of eight. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, was, I just thought it was amazing that the, our opposition's president would come in and sit down and, and, and talk me through a heat. How good's that? Uh, he, he's a really cool man. He's a really lovely man. So yeah, yeah. Um, so, so he's still still surfing. Yeah, I think Pat still is. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, and then Pat's partner Roger Lyley. You Roger, yeah. Um, you know, another lovely man. Unfortunately, Rog doesn't surf anymore. He had a stroke, but he's still uh, still going well. So that's good. Yeah, yeah we've uh, some of the boys were talking about Roger the other day. I hope he's going well. Big shout out to you if you're listening, Roger. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. When just going back to the Bally High, when you when you finished up there, when the rates went up to twenty seven, was it still Bally High or was it Hillsy at that point? No, no, Hillsies. we know, we renamed it Hillsy uh, in nineteen eighty eight. Okay, um, I remember I got given so much shit actually for pulling the Bally High sand because you know it had been there for a, a long time, um, and we renamed it Hillsy's Down South Surf Shop. Yep. Sorry, Hillsy's Yelling Up Beach Surf Shop. That's right. Uh, Down South came later, um, and my mum and I uh, ran the shop. Right, uh, and, okay. Um, so that was a pretty gold time period. That's, I think it was the same before, you know, Cave's House changed. Peter Willis was running the pub then, great fella. Um, so all of a sudden we went from a sleepy pub to 2,500 people turning up for New Year's Eve. Don Hansi. Yes, is, I remember that very well. Yeah, one of the uh, most well-known, you know, West Australian chefs. Um, uh, he and his wife at the time, Bing, took over Surfside and turned it into a, a licensed restaurant. Um and, you know, things really started to happen around Yelling Up. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, it was a tough time to go into business, but mm. we had a surf shop on the beachfront, and, you know, I had two-hour lunch breaks and went surfing. <laughs> you know, while Mum ran the shop, it was pretty cool. Thanks, Mum. Good old days. Yeah. So you went to the Channel Islands. Um, how, how long were you over there for? Uh, about 10 months. Okay, just a quick trip. Well, not It, it was, nearly, was yep. actually in there, and I was homesick, and it was cold. Yep. Um, it got to November, and I was freezing, and I knew summer was going to be good at home, and I'd been offered to um, to manage the business that I was working for while uh, my bosses went back home to South Australia. They were, oh, uh, the, uh, Robin, um, who owned the company, he was actually originally from South Australia. He was an ex-Australian pet living there. Um, and that probably spurred me on even more to come home. Sure. So I came home and, uh, you know, that... The wheel had spun a bit, and it was pretty hard to get work. Um, 
and I ended up working for Brownies in in Claremont uh, with okay. Sal there, and Sal was kind enough to give me a job, and um, I had a great time there. Uh, you know, Claremont's obviously a bit different to a bit different to yelling up, obviously, uh, but also the same sort of people that were holidaying with us were the same people at Claremont, so I knew a lot of people in sure. the area. Um, and but I was really keen to get home, and so. Sal actually knew this guy, Jeff Bingerman, who owned the old Bowen stores, if anyone remembers old Bowen stores. But, I do, yeah. Um, yeah. Myers and Bowen's. Yeah, it's yeah. where Myers had bought out Bowen's. And, okay. Uh, but the, those stores, uh, were there was one in Albany and there was one in Geraldton and there was one in Bunbury. Um, and Jeff Bingerman uh, uh, bought them and changed them into being called Sterling Stores. Oh, Sterling Stores, um, yeah, yeah. so they became, uh, they, that was renamed department stores and they were selling surf clothing, uh, like a lot of department stores, on the the open menswear floor in the men's department. And the surf industry had got big enough to sort of start saying no to department stores and only want to sell in surf shops. Sure. So what, what sort of year are we talk? What? That's um, 1993. Okay. 93. So you went uh, and worked at the Sterling stores, is it? So I, yeah, I ended up, uh, from Sal, I met Jeff Bingerman and... He needed to set up a surf shop. I told him how I would do it. And the, the plan was to do three. And so um, we set up uh, inside the, the inside Sterling stores, but put a wall up. And so it was a separate entity uh-huh. um, and became Evolution Surf. Right, uh, and, okay. Uh, and I, I was lucky enough I got to name it and logo it. And, you know, I enjoyed that sort of stuff. Um, and so we set up that shop um, and that got me a bit closer to home. I could live in Bustleton and work in Bunbury. Right. Um, and um, and Bunbury was changing then too, which because you know, I used to think Bunbury, the best thing about it was the roundabout out of there or, <laughs> or Hungry Jacks. But it was actually developing a bit of a, a main street, um, you know, a bit of a cafe strip. And, and uh, you know, I met a lot of the uh, publicans, people who were owning places there that were, were pushing forward with stuff. So... Um, yeah, Bunbury was really kind to me and, um, and then that helped me leapfrog into, into setting up Hillsies again. I, Sterling Stores, uh, had, had promised me, uh, you know, a commission that just didn't seem to be getting realised, you know, because <laughs> we, the shop went off, the evolution was killing it. And I said, you know, if you don't pay me, I'll leave. And they you know, sort of flagged up, if you don't pay me, I'll leave. And then uh, I was having uh, a meal with a, an old mate, uh, an older mate, and um, telling me, you know, like, he was telling me actually how he, uh, that's right, he was telling me how he wanted to put his wife into business. And I went back to him with a business plan and said, look, I'm doing this in Bunbury, but I reckon we can do this in Bustleton. I want to set up a surf shop. And, uh, and told him what I wanted out of it. And he said, unless we go... 50-50, uh, I'm not interested. <laughs> so the money that uh, first wife and I put to one side to build a house went into to setting up Hillsies again. Okay. Uh, and so um, and the, and the Hillsies name was worth X amount or whatever against it. And so yeah, in nineteen like ninety three, ninety three, yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. We set up Hillsies again in Bustleton. Which so is, on Queen Street in Bustle? Yeah, on Queen Street. Yep. Yeah. And we're, <clears throat> it was an immediate success. It was, it was huge. It was, um, our timing was right. Um, 
we worked very hard. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good time. Yeah, awesome. So that was uh, 93 or so. Mm. Okay. Um, and what, what sort of, was it like surf shops now where it's clothes and hats and <clears throat> all sorts of stuff? Was it mainly mm. boards and wetsuits? We mostly started off with surfboards first off. Actually, most of them were Richie's and mine just so we could fill the shop up because we didn't have that much money for stock. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were, you know, um, we were in that era where it was changing from where a factory and there was where you made surfboards and then there was a retail shop joined to it to where there were standalone retail shops. And um, that's where the money was. Yeah, okay. And so we had to become more business orientated than lifestyle orientated, which was kind of, I guess, kind of watered, watered down the original idea of what Hillsies was all about sure. for me. But yeah, we, we were stocking and selling surfboards uh, uh, and wetsuits and hardware, uh, but two thirds of the shop would have been fashion. Uh, okay, uh, at, two thirds at the well. store. But the pattern of success was that good that we went then opened up another store in, in Bunbury. Okay. Um, and we went up and at the Florida Forum, and that was that was very exciting. And, and the Forum was kind of probably more of a boutique surf shop. Sure. Um, and I was able to grab the staff that had worked for me at Evolution, um, who were really lovely people, um, and they came and worked for me, Annette and Brett. Uh, and you know the success of that, and then what was happening in town. Then we built another surf shop in Bunbury. So we actually okay. ended up having two surf, surf shops in Bunbury. Two in Bunbury. Um, and that one, the second one was pretty amazing. You know, it's a 65-foot steel roof that was a wave. Okay. Na using natural luminas. Um, my ex-business partner was right into construction and just sort of seeing how we could save money on not running lots of lights and air conditioning. Sure. So the way the building was faced, etc., was... Yeah, really a testament to him and a good mate of his, John Paul, who um, who designed it. And it was a brilliant, absolutely brilliant surf shop. Energy efficient surf shop. Yeah, energy efficient surf shop, and just looks so cool. Yeah, you know, Where, whereabouts was that in Bunbury? It's in Princep Street. Okay, yeah. Um, so sort of backing off the the R Centre centre point, I guess. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, or opposite the old Sterling stores. Yeah, there you go. Um, and Bunbury again was really, really kind to us. You know, I mean, we all worked, we worked very hard, and. Um, and I think people appreciated that the fact that we worked hard. Um, and there was a bit of, like a bit like Bustledon too. There wasn't too much happening in Bustledon and Hillsies had a bit of a vibe, you know. And same, same with Bunbury. We had a bit of a vibe. So our market was youth and the youth loved it. Grum hangout. Yeah, it was. It was. Leave your bags at the door we and come on in. We had the skate stuff, you know. We had the skate tribe. We had the bodyboard tribe. We had the surf tribe. And we had the female fashion tribe as well as, you know, obviously guys get dressed up too because they want to attract females. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it, it was a lovely time period. And it was, I guess, when the surf industry is really booming, um, you know, we were we were booming. We were killing it. It was a good time to make money. Yeah, it was, was the Moat River Compound at that point because I know they had a break for a little while. That was after that. Uh, I think that break was around 94 or something like yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, the comp... Yeah, it was a couple of year gap and then they got the right sponsorship. I think that's Straight when the government on. stepped in. Yeah, the drug aware uh, pro. Yeah. Yeah, and started helping out and that's when it really became a yeah. a much more professional outfit. That was good. That was, okay. Which was that was good for surfing. Yeah. Do you do you follow the tour at tour at all? Not yes and no. Yeah. It, you know, like it's um it's a bit like reading surf mags. 
Yeah. You know, I'll pick them up and I'll read it and then I might not read one for a couple of years. Sure. I'm not hanging off every breath of what's happening on the tour, but I have to be aware of what's going on because these people influence what we sell. Absolutely. Uh, you know, John John, he's doing well in comps. We sell lots of his fins. Yeah, okay. We sell lots of his leg ropes. Sure, sure. Um, you know, so we, we have to be aware. But, uh, yeah, it's not my everyday thing. I've yep. never been much into comps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the Margaret River Pro because we used to get shattered to go down there and you get, you know, you get a few free drinks and good social... The VIP yeah, treatment? Oh, the VIP. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, that's Anyone good. Anyone wants to give me VIP treatment, I'm happy to come. <laughs> we'll see if we can get some passes for next year's yeah, comp. Exactly. Well, if it's on, I mean... They're looking at rearranging the schedule a bit for next year, so we'll see what happens there. I reckon it'll stay there. I think it'll, yeah. it'll be an event. Well, I mean, having that day at the um, the little unknown right-hander across the bay was pretty special this year. So yeah, I think they want to have that have that sort of uh, excitement again. It was it was amazing. All those secret spots we've been, <laughs> <laughs> been copying some shit from people about naming spots. But, um, I used to get that with the surf report. <laughs> Sure you did. So the surf report, how, how, did, how did that come about when you were doing that? Um, I used to, oh God, when I had the shop at Yelling Up, I used to get rang up by the local sports store to, um, uh, to let them know what the surf was and then they would do the report back to Radio West uh, and they would do a boating report okay. or a fishing report. And then when I uh, went and did, did Evolution, uh, Jeff Bingerman, who who uh, headed up selling stores, we had you know we had a quite a big radio account, so we we're able to do radio advertising. Sure. And part of that was they said, "Do you want to do a surf report?" Cross promotion. So, and I went, "Yeah, love to." And so started doing that. And then, uh, you know, look, actually used to do surf, you know, like a, just on over the phone, we used to advertise it with, with Hillsies at Yelling Up. But so then when we set up Hillsies in Muscleton. Uh, I approached the radio station to say, look, I'll do a surf report for you, and which they, they were right into. So it, it started in about 93, um, and I was lucky enough to meet a guy called Cliff Reeve, who is still at uh, Radio West, Hot FM, which is now called Triple M, and he said, I'll make you famous, Hilsey. Uh, <laughs> he, he did not a bad job, you know. Like, I mean, we, we had a lot of fun. You had to be... On your toes with Cliff because he'd already been up awake for a couple of hours and he would rip right into me, you know. And I guess it was kind of like a surf report, but it was more like a surf report where I got the piss taken out of me too. <laughs> bit of a chat about things and about st- everything. It was a bit of the piss Yeah. And look, and we did it for so long that people would know that it was that time to go to school or uh, whether they were late Was it 7.30 7 you did it? Yeah, it was about 7.15. Yeah, 7.15 yeah, 7 yeah. to 7.30. Quarter to eight later. <laughs> uh, Depending how big the night was before. Yeah, well, there's been a few times I've been caught out, you know, <laughs> with uh, the sounds of magpies in the background. You don't hear many magpies <laughs> at, on the beach. Um, Sweeping in on the kids. And I have called surf reports at the Darren Field days, which is pretty hard to do. <laughs> um, but, no, we had a, had a lot of fun, and that was uh, – and I enjoyed it. I I like entertaining people. Yeah, yeah, good on you. Um, so how, how long did you end up doing the surf reports for? Because I, I remember I, them. I did it for um, about 20 years. 20 years, okay. Well, there um, you go. That's that's and, a fair way. And then I guess our radio stations at one stage, they, and I guess it's because of the internet too. You know, people could find out what surf was doing pretty easy. And, they, and a lot of local content was being taken out. 
Okay. Uh, everything was becoming very generic. Radio stations were buying up radio stations. So you got bigger radio stations owning and running smaller radio stations and the, the time and the effort, and look, I got paid well too, um, wasn't worthwhile for them. So sure. um, that, that sort of stopped. But in between that, I, um, I was saying to you before we were on the air such that uh, you know, I did some TV. I did three years of TV. And that was that was really cool, bar seeing myself on TV. Do I really look like that? When, you, when you're younger, but you know, when you see yourself back, you go, oh, God, how can people watch this? It's like when you see, see yourself surfing and you go, oh, I thought I was much better than that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that sort of thing. Yeah, the reality comes becomes very, very real. But um, the TV was a lot of fun. I got to interview a lot of people and a lot of uh, local people. So, so was that for surf reports as well or just a gym? Surf reports, yeah. It was for Friday night. We did a call a surf report for the whole of the state. Okay. Which got me into trouble a few times because there's obviously people get... A bit shirty about their bit, spots yeah, being called yeah, out. Especially in the northwest, you know, sort of thing. But yeah, mm. yeah. Um, So I, I was pretty vague on my surf report um, and try to keep it as tame without naming spots. It's going to be offshore. It's going to be good. Yeah. Go for a drive and you'll find some waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45 seconds to tell people about the state. So you do it yeah. pretty quick. And then there was generally a 45-second interview. Okay. So, you know, I got to interview uh, a lot of older surfers, uh, pioneers, and I got to interview, interview a lot of young people too that, that are now... You know, quite famous you know, guys like Craig McTaggart and uh, um, even Zach um, Ogram who, who works here you know I remember interviewing him at 12 and 13 and of course <laughs> you know got, you know there's guys like Jake and Taj and yeah. you know uh, there was a number of uh, different people and then of course you know I got to talk to people like Murray Smith and Tony Harbison and Len Dibbon and, and get their thoughts on serving at, you know in, in that time period yeah and, awesome and it was it was really cool. It was good. They're good people. Hmm. So it's just um onto the the Taj and Jake and Creed and those sort of guys that you used to speak to. Who, who is there some young blokes that you can see sort of hitting the you know the competitive scene in the sort of fashion that they did back in the day? Oh, um, young guy down here, um, Ned Hart. He's just turned thirteen. Ned Hart, okay. Yep. And he's uh, being sponsored by Volcom. It's uh, a good start. Hang on, is it, Vol- hang on. Is it Volcom? It's definitely Pizel. And if you go on the net, it's like got his top team riders and he's there. Right. And Ned's not surfing that many comps, but he surfed in uh, uh, the Padang Challenge, the, the Rip Curl. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and... And I think there's a junior version of it. But he's getting invited to go everywhere in Indonesia. He's a really cool kid. His family, his folks are the most decent people ever. And they really keep his feet on the ground. But he's almost like, he's almost got twin citizenship with how much he goes to Indo. Is that right? And seeing this kid, you know, on like eight foot padang, at, you know, age of 13. And he's standing of five foot one or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, watch out for him. Yeah. Riding Ned, a five two. Yeah, yeah. Ned Hart. Give it, uh, what's he, 13, five years' time. Yeah. God, if you're doing that at 13, you're going to gonna be looking pretty good. Yeah. No, he, he skates well too. He's, um, but just really, really balanced. Okay, you it's know, good that his parents keep him on the straight and narrow. I think it is. I think, I think that's a big part of, yeah, that's you know, how well he's been taught by his folks. But, yeah, he, he's he's charging, you know, like big desert point, stuff like that, you know. Just, yeah, wow. Just stuff that. It's not a soft wave. No, well, even in in my in my own 
you know, used to scare the bejings out of you. But, you know, yeah, this kid's just charging. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah, nice. So, yeah. I think he'll do really well. Um, there's a mate of mine, Jeff North. Both his sons are... Remy Notice, is it? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're surfing well. Yeah. Um, just trying to think. I probably shouldn't leave out people, but... Um, no, that's okay. Don't mention any more, because if, if you do leave out anyone, they'll get yeah, upset. Yeah, get upset, yeah. But, yeah, no, the... I should actually, GV's kids, yeah, Gordon Vernon's kid boys are doing well too, so yeah. Yeah, so, so Dylan yeah. is it? Dylan yeah. Vernon? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I spoke to, um, um, Garth the other day, he was, he was mentioning a couple of the kids that are doing well and he certainly mentioned those names. Yeah. Uh, well, that's exciting about, what's the young bloke's name, the 13 year old? Ned Hart. Ned Hart. We'll mm. keep an eye out on, on Ned because, mm. um, yeah. Especially Stay tuned. 13 and yeah. you're dominating already. You're looking yeah. pretty good. Now, I, I, he'll be one of those guys I say, I could say, I knew you as a kid. I knew you as a kid. <laughs> That's um, my claim. There you go. Mm. Um, so you say that he used to go to Indo. He goes to Indo quite a bit. Mm. When was your first trip to Indo? I went when I was uh, 18. Okay. Um, 18, 18 and a half. Yeah, we, I sort of, actually, I went and put deposits down for all my mates. And, um, what a guy. Well, it was the only way to get your mates to commit. Yeah. Uh, you know, because this is passbook days. This is before ATM cards or anything. So I think I was earning about 150 a week. And I, uh, and I think it was, even then, it was about $250 to fly to Indo. Yeah, right. Um, you know, because flights were expensive and there was only, you could only fly Qantas. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we flew there and uh, we were staying at Ocean Blue, which was an under 35s. And it was just... In Cooter. In Cooter. Yeah. And um, it was kind of... It was so strange, you know, being in India. You know, all the food was strange and all different sort of setup. And we and we, we went over to the Sanua side and we uh, surfed an offshore reef and this guy told us about Noosa Lomboggan. And we went, yeah, yeah, we'll go. And we already paid for our accommodation for 10 days at Ocean Blue. And we get in this pup pup boat, you know, it's a diesel boat, and we're sucking diesel, and you know, locals are in there, and there's chickens, and people are throwing up, and the boat, <laughs> the boat starts to sink, it's getting bailed out with water, and the tide changes, and it takes us nearly eight hours to get across, and it's a huge swell. So we're just bricking ourselves. So we stayed there ten days because we're too scared to come. <laughs> and lost uh, all your accommodation out there. Well, it was four of us surfing. Yeah, it was four of us surfing. Um, Lacerations. Uh, we're actually shipwrecks. Shipwrecks. Uh, um, okay. Lacerations then. Unknown. It was pretty well. It had a lot of finger coral. All that coral's been yeah, smashed yeah, off. Okay. Now. So yeah, yeah. We were serving chippies more, and it was costing us a dollar a night to stay there. Perfect. Um, and it was, and it was, it was unreal. It was like Gilligan's Island. Oh, so fun! I think um, yeah. the the first time I surfed Lombonga was maybe nineteen ninety, and it was just so good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. amazing. No, oh no, ninety one. Ninety one. It would have been still a good spot. Yeah, yeah. It's crowded now, and it's more of it's a the villas and everything there now. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like their rottenness now. Yeah. Um, so back in that those sort of times, we where else were you surfing? So you oh, said we, on the Sanua side. Well, we look. Yeah, we. Um, you know, Lombogan was just a great trip. So I went back the next year uh, with uh, my best mate Dane, uh, Dane Richardson, and um, then another mate decided to join us. A really good good mate, Simon Tokus, and uh, we went to uh, went to Bali. And went to Noosa Lombogan. We didn't get it very good. Uh, and then uh, Dane really wanted to go and surf Grudgigan. Okay. And so we booked a trip and we stayed at Bobby's camp. And it was late April. And we surfed with between 9 and 14 guys. Um, you know, good 
five to six foot, then six to eight foot grudge again. Speedy's Rafe? It was awesome. Yeah, speedy, you know, launching pads into the speedies. And we, we learned a lot. We're serving with older Americans. It was just on that on that crossover from when Mike Boyham um, had gone to jail. And, the, you know, the camp used to be a lot more expensive, but I think it was free sex and free drugs. <laughs> so we got there uh, and we met some really cool older Americans. And it was 150 bucks a week. It was cheaper to be there than, than being Bali, being a disco king. And uh, and we just couldn't believe how good this surf was. It was just, you know, it was just out of control um, how good it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, even, even on though, your backhand, even on my backhand, it was. And I'd never really pig dog before, but you know, you soon learnt real quick. Yeah. Um, and I got absolutely slapped the first couple of days <laughs> until I pulled out a longer board, worked it out. Um, and it, yeah, it made me angry. I didn't want to be slapped. Um, Damn you, G Lane. So yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> So we came back, yeah, we came back after that grudging and thing, and then we surfed uh, our first trip, uh, really, really big Nalu. Okay. And, uh, and that was a whole new thing again because G-Land can let you, will let you get into it. The tube runs faster, but Nalu, you don't angle take off into it, <laughs> as I soon learned as I got absolutely smashed and board shorts around my ankles. Three extra paddles and get into it. You, you know, yeah. Um, and, but what a great wave. And, you know, we're all young and fit. We're, we're charging. Um, so that was a gold year. That was that was really good going to Grudgigan and um, and then setting it up with you know big Nalu and then coming back for spring and, and surfing big yelling up. You know mm. we were quite confident in big surf by then. So that point you've been surfing big G land and you're you're into it and just having a great time. Well, yeah, we're it, yeah we're in that frame. It does know. sort of um, Indonesia eight foot. Obviously, depending on the mm. reef does seem a little, little bit sort of more, more comfortable than eight foot in, you know, maybe down here. Yeah, I, I reckon it's just a little bit, the waves are a bit more perfect. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that, you know, it's the same, you know, we, that I think it was the year after that we did Jet and then we did uh, Desert Point. And, you know, it's Desert Point at up to six foot's an easy wave. Yeah, yeah. It becomes a whole different beast after that. And but the grower comes into it. I, I think per square metre of pounding, yeah, Nalu's going to nail you every time. And, you know, I, I guess the good thing about Margie's is it's deep water. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Nalu will smash <laughs> um, getting How did you get to Desert Point at that, at that stage? Uh, we, that was, that was a classic. We <laughs> met this crazy Kiwi. Um, and we had myself, uh, Dane Richardson, Neil Strong. And uh, we went overland. We, um, um, we took a short wheelbase land cruiser. Mm. And um, got it onto one of the ferries. The first attempt, they wouldn't let us on. They kept on making us wait, and they put all the trucks on. And then the second attempt, I could see they were going to do the same thing. So I just backed up onto the ramp and pulled across. And you got water either side. A truck driver screaming at me, but we got on. We got on the ferry, and then we got. We get to uh, Java, sorry Lombok. We get to Lombok. And uh, we're at the uh, the port there, and we're pointing at a map in a glass cabinet, saying we we want a map. We want a map. And they go, no, 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 you can't have a map. And we're pointing at the map, and it took us ages to because we're air Indonesian, we think, to realise we couldn't have that map because it was behind the glass, <laughs> but we could have a map. And so a we drove. <laughs> go on, sorry. A map, yeah, go on. Yeah, so we drove into Mataram. And uh, found our way there, and we had, we had, you know, we had like about twelve surfboards 
14 surfboards on top of the car. Wow. Um, and pulled up at a little hotel there. And then the next morning, we had this guy turn up and was it? And said, do you want a guide? I went, yes, yes, we do. Because we did, really didn't know where we were going. <laughs> we knew we wanted to go to Desert Point. We knew it was called Banco Banco. But we really didn't know where we were going. And it turned out that his auntie had the only accommodation in Kuta, uh, in Lombok. Yep. And, you know, we had no idea that there was surf there either. Except okay. that there's waves there. So this is about 1989. About 1989. And so um, he's taking us down there and taking us to show us waves. And, uh, you know, we got a few lefts and a few rights. And again, you know, like I really couldn't tell you where we were because we it just had no idea. No one other, around. Other than we were sort of south of Cooter almost sort of thing. Well, no, we'd have whole villages turning up. You know, we'd put our sunny Walkmans on our heads. They'd never seen white people, you know, a lot of these villages. Yeah. And it was pretty pretty amazing. I mean, I... Was it 89? Yeah, it must have been 89. It's amazing how recently um, the Indonesian experience has been authentic. Do you know what mm. I mean? Yes. Like, I remember being in, that, being in Indonesia in the ni- early 90s and it was still... Yeah, it was not yeah. blown out like it is now. Yeah, well, I drove through. I, yeah, I drove through Java in nineteen eighty eight. Um, I forgot about that trip. And another mate, we went to uh, Palamanrati, which is straight down from Jakarta, or, or um, Turtle Turtle Point, I think it might get called, or Genting. Um, rights and lefts through there, and that was that was amazing. We did three and a half thousand k's driving through there, and wow, uh, we're hallucinating white people in the end. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we we had nothing. But um, yeah, this is previous terrorism sh- shit. But we had we had no issues. You know, we we stayed with a lot of different families there because we get lost. You know. Ran out of hard drive. No, the I just had a um computer just stopped on me. Um, so sorry. Going back to yeah, going going back to to, to Lombok, I should say. Yeah, so first serving Desert Point. So Mozart, he takes us into the Benko Bank and he's driving and it's just he's just atrocious, this driving, you know. We're just getting smashed. The road's just, just shocking. We turn up there and there's a camp there built behind the back of the point. Uh, Bobby Radici's built. And we knew Bobby really well from doing the G-Land stuff. And he said, look, you can stay here for free because all the staff have left bar the caretaker because of evil spirits. Uh-huh. And we're going, oh, right, okay. And we figured it was just because they were Balinese and they were, bit, they were in a Muslim, you know, situation. And um, so we used this camp and we'd have Muslim cooking up a feed and he would run around the point while we were serving. We served, yeah, four of us there at, uh, at Desert Point for a week. Um, unfortunately, the bonus prize was I got malaria when I got home. Oh. So we realised what the evil spirits were. There you the go, yeah. The camp had been actually built on a swamp. Okay. Um, and uh, at that stage, you took, I think it was chloroquine and malaprin, and I didn't take my malaprin the month when you got back. And uh, I actually got malaria, yeah, about three months after that. Yeah, gnarly. How, not fun, is it? No, nah, no, nah, you wouldn't wish, wish it on your worst enemy. You know, I'd, you know I'm, I'm pro- probably average around about 83 kilos. I dropped down to about 70 kilos, and you're hallucinating. You know. How long are you sick for? Nearly three months. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really come good to after three months. I was really vacant. Yeah. It took probably, it probably took a month to 
go back to work. And um, yeah, I didn't. God, I didn't drink for ages either too, because you know the amount of chloroquine they'd taken to smash it. Your kidneys were, weren't in a great state. So yeah, I okay. Saying, I just, you just didn't drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is always hard to get it through a summer. <laughs> <coughs> Making me thirsty now. Couple of cold ones. Yeah, but no, because um, yeah, no, that was a bugger. That was that was a bugger. You would, yeah, you wouldn't wish malaria on anyone. No, I um, I did a trip to Sumbawa. I think it was maybe. 95, I'll just move that mic a bit closer, yeah. that's it, um, 95, and I think there was eight of us who were sort of staying together, and mm. I was the only one that didn't get malaria, everyone else wow. ended up in hospital with it, Yeah. I don't know how I got the lucky card you, there, you, but... You weren't taking tablets, or you were, or... You... Um, I think we all were, yeah, because yeah. um, as, as you probably are aware from that point, the, you know, the mosquitoes were changing, and there was yeah. all, all different types at that point. You take a couple of different tablets, and I think it was another another strain that got got everyone at that point. Yeah, um, yeah, gnarly. They were all, they were really crook. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Vervax or something that lower strain, but better than getting cerebral. Yeah, well, that's right. You know, you're just cooked then; it's all over. Absolutely cooked. Um, so during those Indo times, any sort of night activities, or did you just sort of? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially early days of grudging because you. Rare to see a female in the camp at all, um, mm. and you'd be in the jungle for ten days, and so that you get back to Bali, and it was on. You know, it was just like we used to call it Sin City. You know, you just the old koala blue would be cranking up. There'd be peanuts. There'd be uh, crazy horse. You know, and off to Casablancas. But you, you're obviously chasing anything with a heartbeat. <laughs> you're pretty happy to be back in civilization, drinking some Iraq. Yeah, drinking a bit. Yeah, yeah. couple of little milkshakes. <laughs> Yeah, cup, yeah, the old mushroom milkshake would might turn up, but that didn't help you with the girls. By no, it, no, that's uh, right. but yeah, certainly, um, yeah, no, we give it a good smashing with the alcohol. Was the Surrey Club open then? Yeah, the Surrey Club was back there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I remember, um, yeah, we'd do like the Sambawa trip or whatever, and come back and, like you say, Sin City for a couple of days, and then back out into the islands. Yeah, go and dry out again. Well, yeah, what, yeah, we do we do that for maybe three or four days, and then just bail again because it's. And your money got soaked up. Yeah, yeah. So it just lasts a lot long, longer being on, on, yeah, on the yeah. side of the Yeah, it's funny nowadays people actually go to Kuta to stay in Kuta with that sort of yeah. Kuta legging and semi out because like, like, like you're saying, when we were there, it was get in and out a couple of days and yep. try to have a little fun with the fillies and then get out of there. Yeah, no, too true. But no, a lot of, a lot of fun. Actually, yeah. It was good times, especially when you're young. So I know that we've um, probably gone a bit over time here, but I just wanted to ask you about um, uh, the the Yahoo situation. How did you come to be, um, you know, working here? Pretty lucky. I, I'd um, sold out of Hillsies, uh, and I was pretty burnt out. Um, I was emotionally just, yeah, just burnt. Um, and um, I went and did uh, a few years of real estate. Real estate. Um, yeah. There you go. And um, and I and I struggled with it. Um, and for whatever reasons, I just struggled with it. Now, uh, it, it wasn't me. So locally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had good people I worked with, and you know, uh, the rest of it, and it was, I was earning all right money, but it was just, I just struggled with the whole thing of being a real estate agent. Um, You've got to so be I a got, bit of a shark, don't you? Yeah. Oh, there's some good people in it. There are. Oh, absolutely. Some, yeah. yeah. There are. You know, I I can't say that but yeah there you know there's some people in there that don't make you want to be a part of it yeah 
and that that's uh, a lot of the time can be the customer um oh absolutely you know um and look i I come from a background where i was selling toys so yeah you know selling houses was just yeah just hard so i i wanted to get back in the surf industry and i i've been burnt out for a while from it and so i'd had three years out i don't think i even read a surf magazine i don't even walked into a surf shop um and the boys at star were expanding and they had bought a surf shop at Hillary's in Perth. Okay. And a good mate of mine, Mark Rotham, is the FCS rep, said to me, you know what, the boys are chasing a manager. Would you be interested? And so I said, yes. So I went and spoke to, to Woolley and Matt and, uh, and I went and worked for them. And so my folks are based up in Perth and so I'd go and stay out with my folks four or five nights. Um, so where in Perth are you, are you folks? Oh, my folks at that stage, they were in the North Bank. Um, they're in, in Willoughby now, but they're in the North Bank. So it was in Freo. In Freo, yeah. Yep. Um, they'd moved back from down south years before my youngest sister was quite ill when, um, and uh, so it wasn't a bad situation being in Perth. Driving, I was driving uh, from North Freo to, to, to Hillary, so it's all coastal, and, and yep. the shop was on the on the on the on, on the harbour on the water. And I still kept the little unit that I was renting because I'd gone through a marriage breakdown too. That's why. And that's why I was, I was, I was living in this little unit at Yellingham. And, um, but I needed to be back to see my sons. Okay. So I kept the unit there. And so I'd come home. How, how old are your sons? Uh, now they're 22, 24. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so when I was out there, uh, there was an issue where my ex-wife was looking at moving, going back home, going back to Jersey. And it seemed fairly real at the time. And so I had to get home. And Mark and Cheryl came into the shop. Um, so this is at Star? This is at Star. Okay. And we were having a chat. And, you know, I, I used to get my surfboards off Mark uh, when I had Hilsies. So Mark and Cheryl Ogram. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, they were talking about, um, you know, what was happening down here. And I said, I need a job. They said, we can't afford you. I, said, <laughs> I think we can work something out. I need to get home. Uh and we spoke, and I think within a week I'd moved home and right. came to work for, for, for Mark. So how long ago was that? Uh, that's it'll be eleven years this December. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. Eleven ten, years. Ten years uh, last December, which is uh, Oggy and I were just saying, geez, uh, we're still stuck in the millennium, two thousand. It's going to be two thousand twenty. Um, so yeah, I've been here eleven years. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So. Um, I'm assuming that the Clark Street store was still open then, wasn't it? Clark Street store was still open yeah. then. Um, th- that, it was a pretty tough time for Mark Cheryl at that stage because the manufacturing or the wholesaling part of the business had really taken a blow from the mass-produced market mm. and they needed to be more of a retailer as well as a manufacturer. Sure. Because the wholesale business had, had gone, it evaporated overnight. Right. And so this is this was at this stage, and so I guess my background being retail worked well, and Mark being a premier board manufacturer, um, and Cheryl doing the books. It led to, you know, I mean, we're, I guess you could say we're an overnight success after eleven <laughs> years. Um, you know, it was a little shop that we started with, and now we're in a bigger shop, and we carry a lot more boards, and <clears throat> it's still. Pardon me. It's still a very tough trade. But Mark makes brilliant boards. Myself and the staff try to service people as, as good as we can. 
Yeah, I can I can vouch for that. I mean, the boards are great, and you, you know the service mm. is always incredible when you do come in here. And Cheryl pays the bills. Yep. And which is it's so important for a business because if we don't pay the bills, you don't get stock to sell. And it, mm. my favourite saying in retail is, "I can't sell fresh air." Yep. Um, so <clears throat> it's a it's a very good combination, and we've got a we've got a very very good girl, Thea McDonald, um, doing our social network. Um, she's telling the story brilliantly. Because uh, uh, Mark's not a natural talker about himself, and um, Thea has has got him to tell a story, and it's a very good story. Yeah, um, and it's a story that people need to know because it's it's important that we that we have boards manufactured in WA, and and we pride ourselves on that quality. Yeah, and that service. So it's um, how long has Thea been doing the social? She's been doing it the last couple. I better get it right. Uh, the last couple of years. I yeah, because I, I, I do, you do notice Yahoo's stuff on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I don't watch, read Instagram. Yeah. But everyone tells me Instagram's fantastic. Oh, it's a nightmare, but mm. you kind of have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's very, very good at, at doing that. And um, she's, she's a really good journalist. You know, she's mm. actually travelled the world following the women's tour and stuff, but she's tied up with Aravina. Um, with the the museum there and uh we're very lucky to have her on the yahoo team you know yeah so, great um yeah no, it's a good team it's yeah 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 so you've got zach shaping as well yeah zach mark's son great you know like um brilliant surfer yeah uh shapes glass and sands his own boards uh can talk very hard to get shapers to talk normally and no uh, not hung up about himself yeah uh, family man now, two kids. Yeah. Into work. Yeah. Um, God, I remember this. I remember so clearly when he was at school. Yeah. It's yeah. Funny. I remember him being from. Yeah. yeah. Two, and, and then we've got Bradley and Hart uh, in here who, uh, Bradley's, yeah, just an absolute ripper. He, he used to run Vidlers years ago, done flooring. And she's worked all through the 70s when he was younger. Came down here really back home to semi retire because he is a. He's a Dunsborough local boy. Uh, his folks used to stay in the old Dunsborough store. And he works with him a few days. And he's uh, you know, hot, you know, just a really decent fellow to work with. And then we've got young Kobe that works with us. And um, five days a week, lovely family, good fella. And another young guy called Zach, um, who's really coming along well. So we've got a good team. We've got, yep. There's some nice people that work for us. That's great. Good mm. to hear. It's always, it's always good to work, first of all, with people that are switched on, but also that you know enjoy that enjoy being part of that culture that you're sort of setting up yeah. and you know a bit of that sort of legacy i, I think that's the ograms you know yep. they, they've got this whole where the yahoo family uh and you know i thought it was a i felt it, felt it might be a bit corny but it's it's kind it's real yeah it is you know whoever works here is part of the yahoo family yeah so we're, we're really lucky that we've got good people we work for yeah um, you know, it's uh, having been a boss, I'm really happy to have great bosses. Yeah, that's mm. not, that's good. Mm. Yeah, They're nice. Good people. Well, um, I know you've got other stuff to do, but um, I think that we probably have to wrap it up there, mate. Because obviously mm. we're in the shop at the moment. But um, yeah, but take some money. Mark Hillsy Hills, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries, Damon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.